What are guilty pleasures? And should we feel guilty about them? We discuss this and more on this very first episode of The Overthinkers. All right. Well, welcome everyone for the premiere inaugural episode of The Overthinkers. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker and film critic. And with me here is... Nathan Clarkson, um, actor, author, writer, artist, poet, armchair philosopher, etc., etc., etc. Yes, all of the good things. Genius billionaire, playboy philanthropist. And <laughs> yes, so this is our first episode of The Overthinkers, where we do what the title says. We overthink faith, philosophy, culture, the arts, uh, all the things that we care about and we think you should care about too. Um, since this is our first episode, thought that I, we would uh, just talk briefly sort of about why we decided to start this podcast, what we think, sort of the, the space in that we're, why we think that there's a uh, reason for there to be another podcast in the world. Um, so I know you want to kind of start us off, Nathan, sort of well, go sure. to your thoughts. Yeah, well, if, if I was to put my finger on to why the world needs yet another podcast and why they ought to listen to this one with you and me t talking, um, I think as I look through my life, the most influential things in my life have been, like you said, um, movies, books, art, music. And most of all, I think probably more than any of those, all those put together is the conversation I've had about them with right. the people I respect. Uh, they have a way, these stories, these pieces of art, they have a way of inspiring, revealing truth, causing us to ask the big questions, the important questions of life. And so it, it's something that I think is worthy pretty much in any space and any amount to continue doing. Um, so I think there's a lot of people who enjoy these uh, conversations and are looking for more of them. I know I always am. And it, the funny thing is, is you and I are constantly having these conversations all right. the time. We see movies very, very often. We go to, we go get some food and we just talk for hours about uh, mm -hmm. the, the message and the way the philosophy, the artistic merit and what it means. And so I know that there's people out there like us who want to have um, these conversations in their lives. And sometimes in a separated and isolated world, it's hard to find those. So we hope that maybe we can be a bridge in between the time you find that in real life, that you can enter in with us in this conversation, talking about the things that we care about. And we hope that anyone listening cares about, and it might bring a little bit of friendship and levity and perhaps um, uh, truth and insight and perspective to your day. Right. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about is that, I mean, there's, there's, it seems like there's certain podcasts who that, are really good at, you know, they, they understand one part of those things. Like they understand, like they're, they're a podcast that really are into, you know, their faith and, and religion and they're really good at talking about that, but they don't really know how to or don't seem interested in talking about the arts in the same way. Or, you know, they're talking about the arts, but when they start talking about, you know, faith or philosophy or culture, yes. either they don't, aren't interested in it or they have a very predictable direction that they go with it. Um, so, so we, we think that there's, that there's, that there's room for, we found that there's, there's room in the world for, for conversations the way we are interested in having them. And, uh, we believe there's more people out there who are, um, wanting to listen to them. And if we're wrong, this will be a short lived podcast, but we, uh, um, and also I think that we should, uh, get the, um, uh, talk about the elephant in the room and that, that there's really great opportunity to have a podcast with uh, the perspective of two white males. 
Um, <laughs> I just feel like there's not enough of that, honestly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad so, we can enter this space and do exactly. something new. Yeah, exactly. To opinionated white males. Exactly. Yes, yes. So uh, so we're striking a blow for representation as well. Um, so anyway, okay. So enough about talking about what we're going to talk about. Uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Um, and uh, where first episode we decided to do on uh, guilty pleasures. And, uh, you know, what are guilty pleasures and should we feel guilty about them? Part of the reason we discussed talking about this was once it was, it was a little bit of a, a low risk first topic. Um, but the other aspect of it is that, you know, um, if, you know, if you're listening to this in the future and don't realize a lot of us are in a little bit of a quarantine right now due to a, a certain virus uh, outbreak that is causing a lot of us to have a lot more time, not all of us, but a lot of us to have a lot more time to stream and watch things uh, than we have. And a lot of us are choosing to watch uh, things that many of us would consider to be very guilty pleasures um uh, you, you we were both talking about how uh tiger king is was one of the highest watched it's, it's still i think the highest watched thing on netflix right now um it it, it uh, got ahead of you know it had higher ratings in the second season of stranger things um is that right yeah yeah higher rate yeah that's that was the news story that i saw um and also in addition to you know in addition to tiger king tiger king is getting all the news and all the memes but Angel Has Fallen, the Gerard Butler um, action movie sequel, is also like was number four for a while on Netflix's highest watch list. So, you know, people are, are using this opportunity to, to watch a lot of things that many people would consider to be guilty pleasures. So we kind of wanted to overthink uh, this topic. Um, and I'll start off, you know, because uh, the uh, giving a little background on, on guilty pleasures. Um, there, there's an article in the New Yorker called um, "Against uh, Guilty Pleasures," which sort of traces how guilty pleasures has is basically guilty pleasure means art that is not high art that is mass for mass consumption that you know people feel like oh I should be listening to or watching you know more higher more sophisticated art but this is art that's just fun that I enjoy that's just entertainment for the mass audience. But I feel guilty about it. And so I'm going to call it a guilty pleasure so people know that I know that, I'm, uh, that I shouldn't watch it in, and enjoy it. But initially, when people were using the term guilty pleasures, like when the in New York Times first used the word in uh, 1860, it was uh, to refer to a brothel. So we were using guilty pleasure to say things, that, okay, it's actually evil or sinful. But eventually, like by the late 90s, it, uh, it became something that was connotation was, high art versus low art or sophisticated art versus unsophisticated art. Um, so I guess the question is, okay, should we feel guilty about guilty pleasures? So um, I know Nathan Clarkson, your favorite TV show of all time was Tiger King. Um, <laughs> so um, have you repented? Have you confessed this to your priest? Have you repented? Um, and, and should you repent? Well, I'm, I'm still, you know, living out of communion with God because I have not <laughs> repented yet. But it, the whole guilty pleasures thing is kind of interesting because it is something that I find that pops up in most conversations. And it usually happens after everyone kind of says their, their most favorite movie that's very, you know, like, oh, I like Kurosawa and I like the Italian <laughs> art house films. And then someone finally kind of just admits, you know, I really like 
Braveheart and or something <laughs> like that. And they always say with a little bit of shame. And I always <laughs> right. kind of hated that. And a lot of times we kind of say guilty pleasures because these are things we actually enjoy, but socially, especially around more intellectual erudite people, right. we're kind of shamed into having to justify them, provide some preamble about why we like them. Oh, it's just a silly thing I like. And so for me, it's kind of, I want to look into the actually why we feel the need to call them guilty pleasures. They're just pleasures and that's okay. And right. what about them actually appeals to us? Because if we are just so intellectual and erudite and high, then nothing about these things would connect to us. But obviously something about the Tiger King, something about Family Guy, something about whatever your guilty pleasure is, does connect to a part of you. And that's a real part of you to actually pay attention to. So as far as guilty pleasures, it still is, it's kind of a funny word for me. And I feel like, um, right. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the phrase has some baggage um, that is kind of covered in shame that it shouldn't be. That's probably put there by more, um, I don't say this kindly uppity uh, yeah. intellectuals yeah. and don't get me wrong. I am a total uppity intellectual oh. very often, yes. but <laughs> I mean, but, not just you, not just you, me too. Yeah. yeah we are uppity intellectuals. I have, I have, I have read, you know, Paul Schrader's uh, transcendental style in cinema. Like I am officially an elite. So. Oh, he is. Oh and, oh, and you beat me at the uppity. But I will say what I like about you and I realized when we first, we first started hanging out is you were totally okay being like, yeah, I like this it, without any justification. Oh, I yeah. like it. And you weren't worried about it having an effect on your perceived intelligence. So I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to think about like what my guilty pleasure is. Sure. Um, when, when someone asks me that question, typically what would I say? You know, it probably, it's cartoons. Sure. I yeah. love cartoons and yeah. I like the old ones, like the kid ones. I still love SpongeBob. I love Adventure Time and right. I like the adult cartoons. I love Futurama and the Simpsons and Family Guy and Rick and Morty. Something yeah. about them brings real, maybe it's comfort to me. Maybe it's a, an entirely different world that isn't filled with real live human people so I can connect to it on a different level. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's a lot of <laughs> We know you can't connect with human people. That's <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's my card. That, that's it. I'm looking yeah. for <laughs> non-human <laughs> art forms. Um, but I, I don't know what it is but i love uh, i love that and i used to say oh it's a guilty pleasure Alex. but no it, it's not i just like them but i'm and i'm still kind of exploring why i like them but sure. i think there is a reason there and a real reason not one that i need to explain away or justify what would your guilty pleasure be so i have a few like again like i really like i guess I, you say cartoons i love ducktales the new rebooted ducktales series yes i think and of course i could go into this like it's, it's this so sophisticated because there's really sophisticated commentaries about capitalism and um, and unconventional ones because it's like, oh, Scrooge McDuck is super greedy, but he's also really competent and deserves what he has. And so there's this really interesting commentary in it, but it's also, it's like you get silly jokes with ducks and like, <laughs> that's okay. And there's this really interesting and deep stuff about family. Like there's always this really dumb jokes for the first two acts. And then they do this really tear jerking thing about family in the third act. And so I, I, I love that. And then, of course, like, you know, again, for music, I mean, I love listening to Taylor Swift. You know, I, I, I think that she, she does. It's like, yeah. it, just, it somehow hits me. It's like an Guilty. Ad, an adrenaline rush of some kind of pure emotion that's in there. That um, whether it's, you know, about young love or about, you know, self-affirmation or, or political virtue signaling, she's able to do something that really resonates with me in a very pure way. Um, and I think, I don't know, for me, 
or we were just talking about the last time we were talking about this 24, the, the TV show 24. It's just mm. like very purely yet this, yes, we love America and love our country and we want to fight the people who threaten it, whether it's from the inside or the outside. There's just a lot of those things that like, and I think, I, I don't know, the thing that I've been thinking about, because I have been thinking about this, because that's what we do here, um, is... You've been overthinking about it. I this. have been overthinking it. Yes, I stand corrected. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the thing that I've really enjoyed thinking about is that uh, guilty pleasures for me, those things we call guilty pleasures, are things for me where I can engage in worship. And I'm using worship um, the way that James K.A. Smith does, in the sense that it's whatever it is that you love most and you love just engaging the activity because you think it's beautiful. But it's things that I worship that don't require a lot of me um, to worship them. Because even like the, th- the sophisticated things that I like, the, you know, the art house films or things like that, like that, you know, when I'm engaging in worship with them, it still does require activity of me to be able to engage in that worship. And I love doing that. And I love doing that most of the time, but sometimes I'm exhausted. And so I still want to engage in worship, but I want to engage in worship in a way that doesn't actually require a lot of me. That's why I like when I recently watched the Mandalorian, that was so wonderful because I got to engage in the worship. So good. The hero and the, you know, and caring for the defenseless and all those things. But I could engage in that beautiful experience without it requiring a lot of me because I didn't have much to give. But it was also, it was very simple, The Mandalorian. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I mean that in a, I I think it's actually a strength that I think a lot of what people hated about the new Star Wars is they tried to do too much with too many plot lines. And The Mandalorian says, okay, here's a guy who goes around with a little baby Yoda and he fights bad guys. And that's it. And you see everybody loving this. Yes. It's that simple. And everyone loved it. And there is something to be said about simplicity. And I will say, I think there's something to be said about, um, you know, I, I... I see a lot of people when they put in their, you know, especially the, the, uh, the, the people who fancy themselves more um, uh, cultured when sure. they're putting their list of favorite things. I, I always have this question in my head. Do you actually like this or do you think you should like this? Right. And that's what I think the interesting thing about guilty pleasures is, is that it is, there is no pressure to like it. Actually, there's a pressure not to like it. Right. So sometimes I feel like the only way I can actually get to know what someone actually likes is to hear their guilty pleasures because it's the only place no one's actually pressuring them into liking something. They actually right. have to admit a part of themselves that's not so hot. That's not, that doesn't right. look good. So I love the guilty pleasures because it makes someone actually admit what they really like. Yes. In a way, it's actually, because it's interesting because the, um, somebody, the New Yorker artist pointed out that guilty pleasures first, you, people used it a lot more often around the time that there became less stigma towards these, um, the mass appeal things. And Mm -hmm. so their theory was a sense that, and they could be right or wrong, but the theory was that in a sense, it was a way, the term guilty pleasures was kind of like the term bromance, where it was a way of giving people permission to admit the things that they actually liked because, because, because you were, it was like, you're doing it ironically in a sense. Like it's like, okay, because you call it guilty pleasure, it gives you permission to actually say the things you really like. Um, so that's an interesting theory. I don't know if it's true, but it's, that's, that's fascinating. That's interesting. Oh, I like that. And I honestly, the way I get to know people is through asking and discovering what they really like, be that, right. you know, exactly. lower or higher. Exactly. Um, it is interesting though. Every, like, if you get to like really push every intellectual you'll meet will have a quote unquote guilty pleasure something oh, yeah. they really like that they're a little shamed of and that's right. really silly or simple it can be a you know a sitcom or a cartoon in my case or a video right. game or something or a comic what, whatever it is all of those can be very high art as well but oh, yeah. 
it is interesting to me that we all have these things um, that, but I will say I've seen another rise in guilty pleasure and it's not just the things that we like that we feel like we shouldn't socially. Right. And I was wondering if you've noticed this too, I, it, it almost circled back around too, because you mentioned that the original term guilty pleasure is used in the um, context of a brothel, right. something that you actually should feel guilty for, right. um, for feeling that pleasure, whatever that might be. I have noticed we've kind of circled back around to, to people engaging in art or engaging with shows, books, TV, whatever it is that actually are morally reprehensible. Right. Actually do cause real world damage. Should we live lives like these? Should we follow characters like these? Whether it be 50 shades of gray, whether it be the over-sexualization of women in game of Thrones, whatever it is. Right. And they've started going back to excusing, like you said, um, but excusing actually things maybe we shouldn't be excusing. And I know I don't want to say like sound like a moralist or a Puritan, but it is interesting. Sure. I have noticed people using the term guilty pleasure, not in a cute fun, oh, I just like this cartoon right. play, but in a I enjoy watching uh sorted things that are right. probably destructive to the world in my mind. Right. So I thought that was interesting. That I, I've noticed that. Have you noticed that? Well, see, I, I, you see, the thing is, I know this is, this is me being a little bit, you know, self-censoring. Well, not self-censoring, but like being very careful. I don't know. I haven't done the data analysis to know whether or not it's a new trend or if it's happening more now than it used to. Totally. Um, so I haven't noticed, you know, cause I mean, again, I remember the nineties where every hero was an anti-hero. They're like, there were no superheroes. Again, like the, the two thousands ushered us into the age of having a lot of, you know, heroes who were really deeply moral and people don't back into it. Yeah. I think think we have a good mix now. We have a good mix now. Exactly. So, so I don't, so to a certain degree, I'm kind of like, I don't know if it's worse than it used to be. I guess it depends, but I will say that is certainly true. You see a lot of that. And that was actually another direction I thought would be interesting. It's like, we shouldn't feel guilty about, I would say we shouldn't feel guilty about just liking things that are fun. Perhaps one can argue we should feel guilty about only engaging in low cost things to enjoy. Perhaps that is something we should feel guilty about is not engaging in any art that's challenging. But if we also enjoy, it's like, you know, again, if we enjoy, you know, sophisticated things and unsophisticated things, we shouldn't feel guilty about that. However, there are certain things that we should feel guilty about watching because they're not morally, you know, art is not morally neutral. Um, and, and, And so I think that, I don't know, it, 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 you know, you brought up a couple of things like, you know, the, the sort of uh, the sexual objectivity of Game of Thrones. You know, I kind of, I think about, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts about this, about James Bond. Um, mm. Because, you know, I, although the Daniel Craig versions have tried to add complexity and give a good excuse why James Bond has a lot of these very negative behaviors, but, you know, there's a lot of early James Bond films that basically just celebrate James Bond for having very bad attitudes towards women. And, the, and, and, uh, and so that's a thing where it's like, yeah, to a certain degree, when I watch those things, I feel morally guilty about that because I'm engaging in celebrating something mm-hmm. that is uh, base and dehumanizing. Um, the, oh, what was it? Um, um, Alyssa Wilkinson, who writes for Vox, who's actually an old professor of mine at the King's College, she wrote actually an article about this in Vox about uh, Tiger King, where she was questioning if some of you know the the, the knee jerk instinct of the um, of the show, because the show is sort of about exploiting, in a sense, basically like, hey, look at these people who are silly. You know, aren't they so silly? Like, there's an aspect of that. Is like, is that a negative uh, thing to be habituating people to? 
to um, interesting to 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 do. And and full disclosure, I have watched one and a half episodes of Tiger King. So I I, I will say I have seen the entire thing. That's interesting. She says th- that's so silly because that's how I entered it. I entered right. with the idea. Oh, this is just ridiculous. People doing ridiculous things. And for the first three or four episodes, I was like, this is ridiculous. I enjoyed the spectacle of it all. Right. But I will say by episode five, my, um, my Christian uh, world. <laughs> these are people who were very obviously in pain. And right. then I was like, Oh, these aren't just actors for my amusement. Right. Doing ridiculous things. These are people who are engaging in incredibly destructive behavior while I'm getting the benefit of enjoying the entertainment right. value from it. Right. So that's an interesting aspect of it too. It's, <laughs> that's interesting. She wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, again, we, we, you know, we're not here being Puritans, although, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that was good about the Puritans. Um, <laughs> we're not, you know, to some degree, I think they got a bad rap. Um, but, but we're not here to be Puritans. I don't want to do this thing where people are saying like, oh, here's why you should be gu- feel guilty about all the things that you enjoy. Um, totally. But I'm wondering if just, you know, what is a way that we can discern and figure out you know, if we find ourselves, like you say, our first thing was, okay, don't feel guilty just because something's fun and is not high art. It's like, if it's not, that's, that's not a reason to feel guilty about, about liking it. But if you do find something that you really love and enjoy, um, that's a guilty pleasure, but then you realize that it is morally wrong, what should be a person's reaction to it? What should they do? It's like, you know, cause on the one hand, it's kind of like, look, I have a hard life and I spend a lot of time trying to be moral and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quarantined and like, I'm stressed out. Life is tough. And you're telling me that you're going to take away the things that I enjoy that kind of give me a little bit of peace. Like what should we maybe say is something to those people? Um, how should they um, change their behavior or should they change their behavior? Well, what's, what sort of a, what should we think about this? Interesting question. And I'm always scared to draw lines because for some reason people like drawing lines and I feel Mm -hmm. like when I learn more about God, I find that God likes directions. So I'd always encourage encourage people in directions. But I will say this, this this is an interesting analogy that I thought of a while ago when talking and thinking about my guilty pleasures. Please tell us about it. Oh, I will. (laughs) It's my diet. And I think about this in ways of my diet because, you know, I, oh, interesting. GK, yeah. GK Chesterton talked a lot about the thoughts that we take in uh, and he compared a lot to um, our, our bodies and our, and our minds being the mouth, basically, right. of our soul. And so I'm thinking about the things and like, you know, for the most part, I try to eat really healthy. And then once or twice a week, I order chicken fingers and fries or a big pizza. And right. so, and I think there's actually something great about once in a while, just really enjoying a pizza right. and then trying to eat something that, you know, requires of you, like maybe higher or, or, or more healthy food that, that builds you up more, builds right. your mind, your heart, your soul. But I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying a really good pizza. Um, right. once in a while. Now, what I do think is wrong, and this is the third category. So you have healthy food, you have junk food, which is to- both of those are fine in the right amounts. Right. And then you have poison. And see, that's what I think is the third which category. Which you have all the time. Yes. Which I have a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I think th- I think those are those are the categories I try to define things. And I say, okay, this is a healthy for me. I can engage with this a documentary. It's high arts and like that. Then I say, okay, this is just fun. And it brings me comfort. It's comfort food essentially. Right. And I can enjoy that. And that's okay. As long as it's not my entire diet, I can have fun and enjoy this. And then I look at something and say, 
this is actually bad for me. It's destructive right. for my soul or my mind. This is corroding my values. This is corroding how I look at people. This is destroying how I think and whatever that might be for you. But I think we can also use extreme examples. I, I mean, a lot of people don't like this when people do it, but I, you know, you look at entertainment, we used to have the, the arena where we throw people and have them eaten by lions. That would be an extreme view of something that literally corrodes and kills people. Yeah. Um, today, I'd say the equivalent would be pornography. That's on the extreme sure. end of yeah. destruction. And I still think we, we even have a culture that justifies it very often, but we see this having a huge um, impact on the sexual trafficking in America and yep. women yep. and men and mm -hmm. addiction. And I think it's, yep. and it's, it destroys. So I think that's a clear cut thing. This is bad and it hurts and i think you have everything in between um really good high art and pornography and and the guilty pleasures that lie in between and i think i divvy them up into healthy junk food and poison and sure. i have to find where what i'm ingesting especially regularly falls in one of those categories right no i think I, that's that's a fantastic i think um framework to use um and i think that you know if you know, again, as as uh, as self-serving as that is, I think one of the things is to ways you go through this is to just constantly be thinking about it and uh, discussing it with other people and and you know reading and uh, discerning whether or not you're what you're what you're engaging in is poison or if it's junk food or if it's art. And if you don't know, just can can continue to consider it. Um, the other thing about it is that um, if you are if you are engaging in something that you think is really bad, you know, again, it, it depends on the scale. Like if you're, if you're engaging in pornography, that's a pretty um, clear cut case. You should not be doing that thing. Um, and, and get it, you know, in getting, and uh, it literally yeah. hurts you and others. It, right. Exactly. The, on the other scale, if you're, if you're doing something that's, that's not as bad as that, but is still to a certain degree, you think corrupting in a way that is probably negative one of the things I think about it is what you should focus on. Cause this is, cause again, if you're, if you're, if, if in your guilty pleasure time, you're engaging in something that's corrupting and negative, that's just a revelation of your heart and what you have habituated yourself to love most and to enjoy most. And so the solution for that is to, okay, in the rest of your life and the times where you're not just turning off your brain, training yourself through, you know, getting, you know, closer to your values and, 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 and closer, you know, closer to God or, you know, and engaging in art and in, and in activities that are more shaping of you to shape you so that in your, your off times, your, um, you don't actually love those things as much and you have a more of a disgust towards them. Um, mm. and that's, I think those are like, the thing is the answer is not, okay, I think this is probably not as good for me. So I'm going to just stop doing this and try to replace it with something else. I don't think um, because you're, you're just going to end up sort of, it's like one of those things like I'm going to cut out pizza entirely right now. Um, <laughs> it's like, no, that's probably not going to work. Um, it might be better to build the habits of eating other things and finding other things that you enjoy. And then once you have built those habits, it'd be easier to say, okay, I don't actually need pizza as often. Or, you know, that, that might be a better way to look at it. That's so good. Yeah, I will say during this quarantine, all I've wanted to do is order pizza. All I've wanted to do <laughs> every single day is order and Chinese. pizza. Chinese. Chinese yeah. food. Yeah. Oh, and, and fried chicken. Ooh, oh my that gosh. too. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and Mexican. Okay, sorry. We won't get off this. I've just, all I want to do is order terrible food for me. Just <laughs> yes. fry terrible food. But the funny thing is, I've intentionally said, you know what? I haven't cooked that much in my life, but I know I can. I've looked up a recipe. I figured out an incredible stew. 
And I have learned to love the series, partly because I made it and it's healthy. And so, of course, I still order pizza once a week. Every Friday night when I have my movie night, I order pizza. But I've also, like you said, shaped my appetite to enjoy things that aren't that, that actually feed me and build me up. And so I think that's a great way to look at it. And I think that also goes into the mentality nowadays that art doesn't affect us. We can be passive um, yeah. in, in the action of watching something. Right. In reality, every study, I mean, you can look on oh, yeah, today, every study from every college says that what we ingest, the things we watch, the things oh, we yeah. listen to, are the things that shape our values, our morals, our political leanings, our religious leanings. Everything we watch and ingest, it, it affects us. Yeah. And I think- The only the, people who deny this are people who haven't actually studied it. <laughs> Yes. I and mean, it's just, it's, it's irrefutable. And, you know, if you have a refutation, please send it in. Yes. Um, but <laughs> we'll, to we'll explain to you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's why I love art so much in the first place is that it, I think it, you know, gets the rap. It's just silly, you know, that it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's nice right. to, it's, it's distracting. No, art is what shapes culture. Art is what shapes mm. the entire societies we live in. And of course, it's a symbiotic relationship. We affect art and art affects us. But yep. I, I think to not see that what we watch, guilty pleasure, poison, or healthy, doesn't affect us is to be naive. What we ingest uh, artistically will shape and change both us, our friends, our families, our kids. So I think it's, it's something to consider whenever we sit down in front of the TV. Mm. Wow preach that's 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 good stuff right there um so well all right now let's see um i think i mean that's honestly like maybe a, as good a place to end as as any unless you have like you want to go through more of guilty pleasures or you want to just go towards uh uh our blesses and curses of the week Ooh, let's do blesses and curses okay so we have this segment and uh, tell us if you hate it or not, but we love it, so we'll probably do it anyway. Where we, uh, at the end of the week, we, uh, or at the end of the episode, we say, like, what, we have one piece of art that we're going to bless, and another piece of art we're going to curse. It's our sort of version of, of uh, you know, our, our love it or hate it of the week. So, um, well, why don't, you, why don't you start out, Nathan? Okay, okay, I got to think, my bless my curse. Um, I'm going to think about, I've been... I'll do a I'll do a couple of each just because I've been ingesting so much media during the fine. Uh, I know. Well, do you know what I could do? I could do one of each. I'll say this: I'm going to do one book, one video game, and one visual. Sorry to be an overachiever. Overthinker and overachiever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'll start with book. I am reading books that I should have read a long time ago, and uh, and I have resisted it because I want to be an iconoclast and unique and cool and be like, oh, I read other, you know, really obscure of course. books, but yeah. I'm like, I'm going to read a book that's popular that everyone has read. I'm reading Fahrenheit Fahrenheit, uh, wait, <laughs> Fahrenheit 411. Well oh my well gosh. <laughs> well, thank you. That was rough. Um, I'm very eloquent. Uh, Fahrenheit 411, and I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. It seems so like, you know, old hat and everyone's read it, but I never have. And it's really quite good. So that's definitely a love. Um, as far as video games, right now I am playing through, because we're in a, um, an epidemic in quarantine and it looked like the end of the world to very many people, I'm playing a game called Days Gone about after uh, the zombie apocalypse and you ride around mm-hmm. in the wild in a motorcycle and try to rebuild civilization. So that is just perfect for yep. where 
I am in my life right now. Do you feel like you're getting prepped for when that eventually does happen? Oh yeah. No, I've already like looked at his knife and like looked it up on Amazon, which <laughs> the, the lead character has. I'm like, oh, I need one of those. Just in case I need <laughs> kill a zombie or Jimmy open a car for more ammo. Exactly. Um, <laughs> then as because in as, New York, you will definitely find lots of places with ammo lying around. Totally. Yes. I mean, yeah. So and I kill a lot of zombies. So this is what has to happen. Uh, and then my, and then um, what I've watched recently um, is that I enjoyed, you know, it's just fun pulp and in, in the spirit of guilty pleasure, it's called The Stranger, I believe. It's a British show. And okay. Not, I've not seen that. It's, it's not incredibly um, intellectual or inspiring. It's just fun and it keeps you watching the next episode and it has a lot of mysteries. And I really enjoyed it. So that is, those are my three loves. And then my hate or my curse. What am I going to curse? It feels so final. This feels so, yeah. uh, uh, um, and, any, and remember anything that you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and apparently hell too. So yes. I'm hell the depths of, um, let me think, what did I just really hate? Well, Oh, man, I got to think about this. There's, there's a lot. And then all of a sudden I forget it because it's almost like I don't want to relive all the You don't want to relive it. Yeah, it's, it's you know I remember what it is. It's a show called, and I hate to say this because it's new and maybe it'll get better, but it's called Duncanville. And it is a cartoon. Mm. And I love Futurama and The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers. And it, and it has a lot of people I really, really like. I like Amy Poehler. I like a lot of people attached to it. And it's just terrible. It's mm. It's not funny. Every joke looks like it was written by a 10-year-old and I wanted to be so much better. So I'm cursing this show straight to the depths of Hades. And and hopefully the, the curse causes it to hit rock bottom so that it is able to rise from the ashes. And find redemption, yes. Exactly. And have a that's, really good second season. That's how we're, we're looking at these curses. These curses are, are causing, just like, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, God causes harm. You know, there's, we're, we're doing harm in order to hopefully cause redemption. In any case. Exactly. Um, so I guess for mine... Um, you really overachieved for me, so I'm I'm gonna, but I'm so I'm gonna really try to up my game next week. But I would say, for blessings, um, uh, for book right now, I'm going through a book for, by um, uh, Dr. Helen Fisher called The Anatomy of Love, which is basically look going through, um, you know how you know people find love and marriage and date, you know, throughout cultures and history to sort of get at. You know, because there's a lot of today, you know, question of like, okay, what stuff is innate between men and women in these relationships and what is just cultural and what can we discard? Mm. And so this is really trying to do a meta analysis of the different anthropological studies is like, no, this stuff is really innate. This stuff is cross-cultural and this stuff is not. And so that's been really helpful and enlightening uh, to me to read. And I think it, it's, it's very well written. And so I, I recommend it. Um, another thing I'm going through right now uh, I'm uh, for watching um, I already mentioned DuckTales and why it's amazing and, you know, d duck jokes at the beginning and then family, uh, tear-jerking family messages at the end. But I will, um, I'll say I'm, I'm going through also right now Barry, uh, the TV show Barry. Oh, um, so good. Which, uh, starring Bill Hader and it's, it's, you know, about a hitman who decides that he uh, actually wants to stop being a hitman and become an actor and it's, um, you first recommended it to me and uh, saying, it's like, you want to know what LA acting is like? Here it is. Here's, here's where it, what it's like. And, uh, and I really have enjoyed a lot. It's a great redemption story and they have a 
do a good job of telling a classic story, but giving characters a lot of nuance and unexpected yes. uh, directions, which is very refreshing. You know, like the the uh, the female lead is like you know is is really a great person, but is also not idealized. And like there are things yes. like that, that are just really I I really love. So that's be my as an actor, I will say it's like the most accurate representation of being an actor in LA and being an acting class. That acting class is what every acting class <laughs> looks like. I I cannot it could could not be more accurate. So that's that's great. Um, uh, then uh, f- uh, finally for for my what I'm going go- so I bless that I bless that in the name of Lord Jesus. Um, and then uh, curse. I'm going to pr- go with uh, an old movie that I just watched, a Machine Gun Preacher, uh, starring Gerard Butler. Um, and mostly I'm cursing it just because I'm really disappointed in it because there is nothing I would love more than a movie about faith where the preacher like hat holds a machine gun and like, you know, and, and goes out and, and, and uh, saves people with it. Um, and it was just very boring. And so I was like, no, you can get a lot more out oh, of it. You should- too bad. A movie about a machine gun with a title Machine Gun Preacher should not be boring. I'm sorry. That is just... It had quite a title to live up to. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, that is it for us for now. Uh, let us know what you think of this podcast. If you like it, please, uh, you know, do whatever you do with podcasts. Upvote. Uh- <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's leaving a five-star review. Yes. Uh, it could be four stars. And, you know, if leave that doesn't work... Stars. Just send us like gift cards. Like yes. we, yeah, we'll take gift cards, whatever it is. And, and share it with your friends. If this is the kind of thing that you're looking for, if you love overthinking these topics and you want more overthinking to happen, uh, then uh, just send people the overthinkers. We really appreciate it. Um, and what's and, your website, Joseph? And I'll tell oh, mine is nathanclarkson.me if you want to get in, yes, in yes. contact with me, nathanclarkson.me and Joseph's. My website is overthinkingfilms.com. And yes, so please, uh, all the things. And uh, keep, until, until next time, uh, keep overthinking. <laughs>